as a startup, your weapon is speed. You are not a corporate. You don't have the bureaucracy. You don't have to have board meetings. You don't have to have takes nine months to make a decision. So, but corporates or bigger companies and bigger, yeah, they have more money and more resources. So the only thing you're competing on is speed. So move really, really fast. If you have an MVP, if you have an idea, just put it out there. Even if it's landing page, get some feedback, get pre-signups, do whatever it takes to, mm. you know, to keep moving. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's built several uh, seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And uh, today we have another great guest on the podcast. Uh, name is Sam, and I'll probably butcher his last name, Kamani. Close enough. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Well done. And, uh, Sam uh, has done a, a few different things. And so he started out uh, running an e-commerce business that sold some supplements for a while, uh, got into uh, software development and uh, then switched over to uh, doing some, or worked with some esports uh, tech startup and uh, moved to the Bay Area and uh, started to get some traction. And then it uh, leads him to where he's at today. So I won't spoil the ending, but I'll at least give you the beginning. So welcome to the, the podcast, Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much, Devin, for inviting me to the inventive journey. It's great to be here. Well, glad to have you on. So I gave a brief intro to your, uh, your journey and kind of what led up today, but maybe if you wanted to take the rewind it and walk us through a bit more of your journey and we'll have a conversation from there. Absolutely. Yes. So as you say that, um, actually I grew up in India and I studied computer science and then I um, came to New Zealand as an international student, studied marketing, and I was looking for um, where those two fields merge and digital marketing, of course, was one of those um, areas. So that's how I got started um, mm. after not being able to get a job, even after applying for hundreds of jobs, I realized that, okay, if, you know, when you cannot find something, um, then you have to start your own, you have to make your own job. And that's um, precisely what I did. I started networking and started using my own connections. And that's what led to um, <clears throat> me owning or part owning an e-commerce business where we owned a brand and, um, we sold um, herbal supplements in New Zealand and around the world, a um, few other countries. Um, so yeah, that was my start in owning a business, finding a niche, um, all that um, thing. After that, um, I took a sabbatical before after you, the exit. Before you jump off of that, just one quick. So was it, sounds like, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, that you know, it was almost out of, for lack of a better word, necessity that you said, hey, I tried to go the conventional route. I applied for other jobs, whether it's the, you know, background, your, where you're from, what the jobs are, you couldn't find something that was the right fit. And so you're saying, okay, if I can't find something else, I'm not going to just sit and wait for it to come to me, but I'm going to go out and build it. So is that kind of the motivation for getting into startups and entrepreneurship and you loved it from there? Or? Absolutely. I always had the heart for it and maybe maybe um, wherever I applied, they could see that, that I always had the heart for entrepreneurship. But, you know, um, it is always hard to make that first step. And it kind of pushed me into taking that step. So 
Um, after having done that and after running it for eight years, um, I sold that company along with my um, business partner. We both sold that company, had our um, first exit. And after that, I took like a sabbatical and I wanted to go back into software because I realized that when you deal with physical products that are consumable, you have to worry about so many things, so much regulation. Every country you go in, it's like a two years of red tape and bureaucracy you have to go through. Um, you had to worry about expiry dates and you had to worry about stock management, whereas software, I find it infinitely scalable um, in just how it is used and how it can be deployed and distributed and promoted and all those things. So that's when I joined the esports um, startup and <clears throat> did that, um, promoted it. And most of our users or our clients were all based out of New Zealand. So that's why we decided to take the company, base it in um, near San Francisco in Bay Area. And then, and that's where it went from there. Then that got acquired um, middle of 2018. And that's when I thought, okay, cool. I've done this a couple so before, of times. Now, before you jump off esports, which is the next startup, one question. No, no, this is, yeah, esports came first. And then I went back into software development. So while you're on esports, so yeah, sure, sure. That, at least to the common person, sounds exciting, right? You, you put electronics and you put sports together. And, you know, a lot of people love to play, whether it's video games or, you know, compete in those type of things. Was it as exciting as it sounded like? Was it a fun technology company? Was it, you know, more of just a, a grind or how did that go? And what was it like to be in the esports arena? It was absolutely as fun as it sounds because we were interacting with some of the most interesting people from all around the world. So we made software that tournaments were run on. Say you want to set up an esports tournament, you would use our software, whether it is in the front end or back end, back end, and you would use it to make the brackets, to match people against each other. You, would, you can run an um, esports tournament globally. And also we had another product where we would um, gamify gaming, as in it was like air miles for gaming. So you would get points for... Um, or air points for gaming. So you would get points for things you do in your game. So you'd connect your Steam or Xbox or PlayStation account and the more games and you um, adventures or quests you do, the more points you get, which you exchange for real world prizes. However, like I was in charge of a lot of the growth in the company. So um, I would go and have to deal with all sorts of influencers um, from sports to music to everyone, whoever we can get to compete in the tournaments to, to build a profile for the company. So one of the tournament we organized, it even had a UFC champion, Demetrius Johnson at that time of in 2017 um, and um, like an undefeated UFC champion. And um, we pitched him against um, this stand-up comedian who has a persona of a African rebel. So even if now you search for that video on YouTube, it's got millions of views and stuff and it, it spread like wildfire because they're both bantering each other. And, and it, it was just a very, very fun matchup. Mm -hmm. And for people who would win, 
would get to go against these sort of guys. So it was immediately a massive draw and that campaign was super successful that we could get over 10 million plus views for spending not much money at all. So we'd get to do all sorts of fun things. So yes, that was a very, very fun experience. However, it was in very early stages, that company, and it already had got a lot of funding and there were all sorts of things um, that were going on that did make it very challenging from a financial perspective. Because a lot of these models, a lot of these things are completely new. There is no um, use case. It's not like you know, like a physical product that has existed for hundreds of years. We are, everyone is innovating and making things up. So um, yeah, there are no guidelines. Pretty much you do whatever you want and and try it and test it. So, yeah. So you did that. And, and I think, that, so it, it sounds like it's as interesting as I anticipated, which just sounds fun. So one question, then we'll move on to kind of after that got acquired. So it sounded like it was enjoyable. It was fun. You're having a lot of good times. And then, you know, the company was going kind of for raising further uh, rounds of funding and whatnot, or had to sell. And then so, that kind of came Yeah, we had to sell. It. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like a equi hire. So I was the um, only one so who did leave and start my own thing after that. Um, I was the CEO there and pretty much everyone else got um, kind of like a equi hire into another bigger agency. So that's what happened with that company. And that's when I thought, cool, I've done this couple of times now. Can I go out and help other founders create their sort of MVP, minimum viable product, get started in this journey? So that's when I set up Product Done with a friend of mine who already own an agency. So that's what we do right now is we help other founders build their solutions from pretty much from ground up. No, I think that makes sense. So question or one maybe question for you, as you did that, you had acquisition of the company. Was it at that point that you decided, hey, I want to go do, it was, you know, because there's a few different ways it can play out. One would be you get acquired, leadership and ownership changes and it's no longer fun. Another can be, hey, yes. this is a good time to transition out. And, you know, while I love it, I want to, I've always had the dream of going to do something else. I'm going to go build my own thing. Or it can be the third, which is, New leadership came in, they wanted to, you know, clean house type of a thing. And so they let you go. So kind of what was the motivation or the, the trigger for transitioning from that, you know, the esports to what you're doing now? Yeah, so there was a, a lot of um, uncertainty at, at that point, at the point of transition of how it is all going to play out. And, and of course, on paper, everything is easy, but, um, whether it is a funding round or this sort of a transition, it can even take six months or or an indefinite period of time. It could be three months, it could be six months, it could be nine months. So I decided not to wait around and hang around and start my own thing when I was getting that opportunity with a friend of mine to start this another company. So that's when we started this. Um, it is a very interesting story, even with the even with product done, which we have started, on how we found the niche and um, how we got about doing that. So yeah, continue, continue. No, I I think that's interesting. So I mean, so as you decided, okay, you split out, you're going to go do your own thing with you and your friend. 
you know, saying, hey, there could be transition, don't know what that's going to look like, it's a good opportunity to do something else, and so you do that, then, you know, so now you're, you've basically gone through what would be, you know, kind of three different startups, the supplement one, the eSports e uh, startup, and now you're doing your current one, was each of them the same, or what did you learn from them, or were each of them as hard as the last one, because they're all different, uh, different types of products, or kind of how was that going between the different startups? Oh, so many, <laughs> so many, so many learnings. It's pretty much it's what has made me and given me all my experience as I have, as I have grown and as I have worked through these different industries. However, at the end of the day, I still do customer acquisition, whether it was for the e-commerce um, startup or esports or software development, I still do the sales and marketing because I enjoy people. I like meeting new people and I helping them solve their problems. So in a way, I have realized the, the value of customer acquisition, whether it is through marketing, through sales, through any, any channel, um, and it has only honed my skills. Um, I am a firm believer in strengthening your strengths kind of a thing. So you, you work on your strengths more than work on your weaknesses. Um, so yeah, so it has helped me to, to do that. So you know, I think that, that makes complete sense. So as you did that, was it easier each time you did it? Was it different each time you did it? Was it harder? I mean, so you know, maybe you can make the one argument, hey, it's easier now that I've done this two times before. And yet most of the time, or a lot of times when I've talked to startups and that, it's usually, hey, this is different every time and it's just as hard, it's just a different journey. Yes, 100%, I agree with that. It is, it is just as hard, just a different journey. However, what I have now is the confidence that I can make it work. I have made it work a few times before and I have come out of sticky situations. So mm -hmm. it builds that um that grit muscle. I don't know how to even explain it or if there is such a thing that, yeah. Mm. No, I think that makes, I, I think there's certainly a grit to it and it gives you the confidence because I'll say one of the more difficult things with startups isn't, you know, having a good idea. And, it, and a lot of times, it, and they're all, there's plenty of hard things. Coming up with the idea is hard, you know, executing on it's hard, building the teams on it's hard, getting funding is hard. So there's a lot of hard things, but I would say the difference yes. between a successful startup versus one that doesn't make it very far is oftentimes almost what you're saying, that grit or that ability to, you know, you're, or when you have big problems, there's kind of two different things you can do. You can either, yes. you know, give up, curl in a ball, cry and, and go, you know, go back to a normal job, or you can, you know, work it out, figure it out, solve the problem, keep at it. And I think those that are keeping at it that keep working the problem are going to be the ones that are able to be successful and push through those difficult times that every startup has. And I think that's true, whether you've done one startup or 20 startups, it still has that nature to it of, some, you know, it's, it's not difficult it, or it is always difficult. It's just different types of difficult. Yeah. One thing I have learned about, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a very interesting point on there's two ways it can go, whether you, you, you give up or you continue or, or, you know, you pivot. Um, so one thing I've learned is that once you have identified a problem, you have a vision, you have a mission to solve that problem. It's um, stay persistent towards that mission, but pivot your tactics if they are not working. So 
same for product done. We have um, probably pivoted our tactics multiple times. Same for the esports startup, pivoted our tactics to get users multiple times. And same for the the e-commerce um, startup. You know, if one channel is not working, we switch our channel and or we switch our distribution model or switch our whole marketing model or or how we are doing whether we are doing retail or purely e-commerce or direct to consumer or whatever. So um, as long as the mission is the same, the vision is the same, how you get to it doesn't matter. You can always pivot it, try new things, try different tactics. Okay, no, make, that makes perfect sense. So so now that brings us, so you, you did the esports exited, and then I think you, when I talked before, you did kind of a three month handover. And then to my envy, I wish I could do it. I've never been able to do it. You took a year off, took a sabbatical, you got to go travel take a break, have some fun and relax. And then you came back and you do, you're now, or you started what is the startup you're working on today. So maybe yes. you just want to provide us a little bit of insight. What are you working on today and what, what are you building? So um, just, just like you, I'm doing few few different things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first one on my main nine to five, my job is working for product done where we build products for the people that are like SaaS products, mobile apps, uh, pretty much entrepreneurs, founders, startups come to us with ideas or um, a product that they want to improve on. And we help them got from A to Z, whether they need help with their UX, UI, or they need help with um further validating their idea and what things they should put in their MVP, um, mm-hmm. which which rarely happens because a lot of founders come to us who are like already set in what they want to build. But mm-hmm. we help them get from sometimes they don't need the full solution or cannot afford the full solution. So then we help them get to that point by building, say, like a very small prototype and helping them run a Kickstarter campaign or some sort of a funding campaign. And we help now about five different startups get some form of funding um, just locally, just in New Zealand, Australia, um, in this region. Um, we have helped them because we know where they can reach out to and who they can go to and all that. So, so we help them with that. Um, doing this, initially when we started, we realized people had lots and lots of questions. It's once again, it comes down to this, you know, this inventive journey and how did it start? So we thought, okay, cool. We are getting asked the same question. People are having the same problems around building a minimum viable product. Mm. What can we do? So me and like a couple of the developers in the team, we put together this website called buildmymvp.com. And where people can choose what they want and they go through on a journey. And at the end, it gives them the breakdown. And we used to even um, at one point used to send them some templates and things that they can get started themselves. And it was um, crazy. We did like, we built it and we released it. We did zero marketing, no paid ads, no nothing pretty much. And within one month, it went to number one in Google globally. If you search build an MVP or build an MVP for me or build my MVP or something like that, any um, like a combination of that. So that was a year and a half ago. And that sort of reinforced that, okay, there is a huge need for this. We need to do something. So then um, January last year in 2019, I um, wrote this book, The 30 Day Startup with my co-founder. 
and we just put stories around you know how you can simplify your initial idea and build an MVP within 30 days. And if it's taking, you know, more than a month, then maybe it's not an MVP. You are building a full product. So, mm. and of course, th this does not apply to every project, but it is mostly related to tech startups where you are not dealing with physical products. Actually, even physical products, you can do like a prototype and engage the interest where the problem exists. Just like, you know, you're last guess or your last episode on the inventive journey. I think Jeff, he was saying that so often um, founders or entrepreneurs get started thinking that there is this problem, but then there is the market doesn't exist. And, right. and that, th that is something that we validated by building the build my MVP. We did this book. I did zero promotion and, like as soon as I launched it, it went to number four in Amazon and its category. And I was like, why is this happening? <laughs> it's like, how are people finding out? And so, so far 11,000 people have bought the book or downloaded it and, and mostly all organic. I've just started going on to podcasts in the last month and a half. So mm. this is something completely new. And that, that's how it got started. So every day, three or four new founders or entrepreneurs reach out to me on, on LinkedIn that, Hey, I want to do this. I want to build this. I have, um, I have no funding. I have no idea where to start. I don't know what to do. And mm. that's what led to like about a month and a half ago. Um, I kept on getting asked the same questions once again. So I, I got, I started to get fed up, not, not really fed up, but I'm like, I'm saying the same things. Why don't I go and ask? founders who have done it, people who have done it, who mm. have managed to raise funding, who have managed to build something, whether it is a service startup or product startup, or I interview investors who invest in these sort of startups and what do they look for? So that's how I started with my podcast, Want Money, Got Money, um, where I interview founders and entrepreneurs and successful people like you where they share their, where they share you know how they got started how they got the first bit of funding how they got the first bit of team together and and all that so yeah no that's awesome that you know certainly i said just full disclosure i we you know you you come on my podcast have also or podcasts have also been on yours so um we're, we're sharing information to everybody's audiences with the hope of uh, helping the, the startup community so as we start to unfortunately or, or fortunately whatever it was we're getting towards the end of the podcast and, uh, and, and I always have two questions I hit on it towards the end of the podcast. So sure. we'll probably jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, so what was the worst business decision you ever made? Oh, worst business decision. That's very easy. In between in my um, sabbatical, it was actually more than a year after a year. I thought, oh, cool. I'll just build something on my own. And I thought maybe I should try this being the solo printer stuff and <laughs> just realized that that's not for me. Um, and I gave that up very, very fast, very easily because um, I realized, look, I like people. I like working with people. <laughs> I like building teams around me. Um, I don't want to be doing everything. So it was just a marketplace um, web app that I built. I built it very, very fast within a couple of months and I started to get small amount of traction, but my heart was not in it. And mm. I realized, look, I need to work with people. I'll always work with a co-founder. I'll, <laughs> I'll not go on it alone again. It's oh, just, had to, 
Yeah, I mean, self-discovery. <laughs> I think it's, it's one that you have to find. Some people work very well that, you know, they have their direction, yes. their vision, and even if they build a team, they want to be the person in charge. And yet that's oftentimes, one, it's a lot of times lonely, and two, it's a lot of times it's hard because you very, very seldom does somebody have all the skill sets they're going to need to be successful on their own. And so you're always looking for those, that person or people that can counterbalance your talents and be able to help you build it. So Exactly. Complementary skills and talents. And it's great to bounce ideas with someone and have that support, as you said, very, very essential, especially for someone like me. <laughs> Cannot sure. speak for everyone else. Yeah. So now I'll jump to the second question. Second question I always ask is, so as you talk, if you're given uh, someone that's just getting into startups or small businesses, one piece of advice or your best piece of advice, what would that be? As a startup, this is a very easy question because I see people making this mistake all the time. As a startup, your weapon is speed. You are not a corporate. You don't have the bureaucracy. You don't have to have board meetings. You don't have to have takes nine months to make a decision. So but corporates or bigger companies and bigger, yeah, they have more money and more resources. So the only thing you're competing on is speed. So move really, really fast. If you have an MVP, if you have an idea, just put it out there. Even if it's landing page, get some feedback, get free signups, do whatever it takes to, mm -hmm. you know, to keep moving, to keep moving really, really fast. Don't let perfection stop you. That's no, I, think that, I think that's very good advice. And I think that, you know, getting out there, seeing if people want your product, seeing if they understand it, seeing if you're going in the right direction, the right audience is always much better to do at the earlier stages rather than putting in a whole, uh, a, a large amount of high money and effort only to figure out that you've missed the mark or that the, mar the market's not there or you need to go pivot mm -hmm. and go out to a different market. The earlier you can find that out, certainly the better. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Just one thing. Yeah, just like no point sitting on it for two or three years and saying, oh, I had that idea five years ago, but then why didn't you do anything? You know, you had to move fast. If you have a startup, if you have an idea, just go fast. Go, yeah, 100 Ks per hour or 100 miles per hour, you know? No, and, I, and that's probably because I ask the same questions on the end of every podcast, and I think we're up to now, and I'd have to look 70 plus podcasts that we're, or people we've had wow. on the show. And I would say probably the number one, there's a few, but one of the number one business mistakes that people say that they make is they didn't get going. They just, they should have just got going. They should have done it. They waited too long and, if, you know, and they eventually got to it, but they always look back and said, I should have got going much earlier. And one of the things that kept me back shouldn't have kept me back. So I think that's a good point. So now as we wrap up and I appreciate you coming on the podcast, if people want to, whether it's use your services, get your book, get advice from you or otherwise just connect up or, or, or link up with you. What's the best way to reach out and connect with you? The best way is LinkedIn. I'm quite active on LinkedIn, just like you. So just look for Sam Kamani, S-A-M-K-A-M-A-N-I or samkamani.com or just look for my name in any of the podcasting platforms. You'll find one of these sort of episodes uh, or on my own podcast, which is Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. So, yep, right. that's, yeah. Well, I encourage everybody to check out your podcast, check out your book and uh, utilize all your services. So um, thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun to hear your journey. Certainly for everybody that's all those listeners out there, if you have your journey that you'd like to tell and uh, like to come on the podcast, certainly feel free to apply. Just go to inventivejourneyguest.com and you can apply to be on the, on the show. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you can catch this episode and all the new episodes as they come out. 
And last of all, if you need help with patents and trademarks, certainly feel, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law, and we're here to help. So thanks again, Sam. I wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. I'm excited to hear how things continue to go for you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Evan. Thank you for inviting me and best of luck. All right. Thank you.